Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. The unconventional take on all things innovation, tech, and transformation. Join us as we explore the ideas and impact that might just change, change the world. I believe listeners to this program are familiar with the movie Toy Story. The first movie in that series came out in 1995. It was groundbreaking at the time. It was the first movie that was entirely computer-generated, and it catapulted the movie studio Pixar to worldwide renown. Well, the world has evolved since then. In 1995, the original Toy Story was produced on a render farm with a total of about 1 billion CPU transistors. Today, an iPhone 11 has 8.5 billion transistor equivalents. So what does this mean? Well, it means that many of us now carry very powerful simulation engines in our pockets. The virtual reality and augmented reality industry advocates have highlighted this development for a long time in terms of the quality of the experiences they are able to create. However, we have not yet arrived at the point where augmented and virtual reality are in mainstream use meaning that a lot of people use them on a daily basis and that they are integrated in a lot of everyday functions and settings. But when we speak of social media, they certainly have become a part of our everyday lives. As per recent research, the average social media user spends more than 2 hours and 20 minutes per day in these channels. Now, the interesting part is how these two developments are interacting. And it's not happening in the fancy VR headsets just yet. It's happening on our ordinary smartphones and in our social media feeds. Because our media world has gone from a text and image based to being increasingly streaming video based. YouTube, Insta Stories, Snapchat, TikTok, take your pick. In these channels, we are no longer limited to the videos we can record with our cameras we're increasingly able to integrate computer-generated content into our media feeds. And the act of creating such content and editing it has become so intuitive that most seven-year-olds can do it today. So is the future one where we'll not just have nicknames and handles as our social media identities, but one where we'll have beautifully crafted dynamic avatars when we interact? Is an entire world of virtual beings and virtual environments merging with our daily lives and in fact are these places where an increasing amount of the action is happening. Today's guest in Disruptionland is Eric Wahlberg. Eric is CEO and co-founder of Friend Factory and he has a long background in the media industry and experience from developing platforms both for classic television, augmented reality and virtual reality. Eric, welcome to Disruptionland. Thank you, Hans. Great being here. It's really great to have you here and what you're doing is fascinating. But Eric, I'd like to start with sort of the long perspective. Over the years that you have been working in the media industry, what are the sort of development trends, the long ones that you have seen? Yeah, so I started with television, <laughs> sort of a very traditional how to, to create great storytelling and, and express that. And I'm as old, I'm 42 now, so I've seen how technology sort of uh, 
pushes our creative tools. It changes how we express ourselves and how we express our identity. And um, it's been quite fascinating to to so see sort of a space as media changing so quickly in just a span of 10 15 years that I've been active in this uh, in this business and and the first sort of big shift for me was was of course the the digital video shift uh, and and sort of the mobile photo shift so uh, what what did the digital video shift actually mean was it that Anybody could record stuff and, and sort of the, the, the equipment got a lot cheaper and the processing and editing got a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the whole story is about mobile technology and sort of uh, the tools we get in our hands. And it's often little pieces that makes a great shift of, of the sort of our creative expression uh, and creating how we are. So, for example, if, if we look at the photo revolution, you had pieces like cameras in our phones, uh, better phones, and of course, better internet. Uh, so we get three, 3G and suddenly we can express ourselves via pictures. And sort of the role that images have changes in our society. It's, it's not just an art form, photography, it's a communication form, of course. And we have an entire generation who, who don't prefer to speak or write texts. They just communicate. We have pictures and we get phenomena like Instagram and Snapchat, etc. The camera is the new keyboard is, is a saying we, we sometimes encounter here. So, oh, it's, it takes so long time to, to type out the message when I can tell the whole story with, with an image. Do you, do you share that? Yeah, of course. I mean, that is a big shift and it's hard to see exactly how it pans out and, until you have those pieces. So yeah, and, and, and then you have sort of that evolution going on. So you have the next shift where, where we get even better internet, like 4G and suddenly, yeah, you can communicate via video. And as a sort of old TV producer, it was fascinating to see this sort of uh, video generation sort of the TikTok generation and 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 the whole vlog generation, et cetera, you know, that you're going from sort of having to spend millions and having a big team to create something great in video to 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 do it super simple. It's it's about simplification of technology, but also sort of sort of creativity. You never know how that sort of creative model will look like until the technology is there. And that's fascinating. If I understand you correctly, it's the accessibility of technologies that is enabling this development, not just the hardware that we, we all have phones and cameras in our pockets, but also editing software, the ability to very quickly add new uh, features and dimensions to video, and ultimately also sharing them that there should be channels and social media platforms where people can share and engage and, and uh, discuss each other's content. Yeah, of course. I, I usually say that you have sort of two barriers. There are technological barriers, and there are creative barriers. Now, as if you want to express yourself or create something, it's always super hard to start with the white paper. And everyone who's been working with any creative business knows that. So what you do is that you make up models, you make up rules to create something. So that's one threshold. The, the other threshold is, of course, technology. I mean, a lot of sort of the creative tools and software throughout history has been super complicated. So to, to be able to have the freedom to, to make great things, they become complicated. So having the threshold of sort of creating creative models as well as sort of lowering the technological barriers is sort of the keys here. Mm. And the democratization of those things are the key. So look at, for example, uh, TikTok. It's all about that sort of it. At, at the core, it's a great editor. So they lower the barrier to, to sort of create, but also there is sort of a, a, a creative model. It's, it's a format where you're sort of, okay, someone does a, a lip sync, for example. I can take that sound. That's a sort of a 
technological lowering of the barrier, I can take that sound asset and I can start creating from that. But you also have sort of a format, the creative format. It's like, okay, how should I interpret this? How should I do it from my perspective? So you have something to, to start with. And that's how you get this sort of uh, what we can call the remix loops, sort of the, this creative uh, explosion. So everyone becomes a, a remixer of content already out there and there's no end to the personal variations of existing content that, yeah, that but people can build upon each other. Exactly. And that's always been the case. I mean, in, also in old media, I mean, we've had... Uh, sort of drama structures for thousands of years. Sort of how do you do a great drama? And when I did uh, uh, reality shows, it was like, okay, there is a model. I mean, how should they eliminate each other? Who should we have? And where should they be? Well, a deserted island. We should have uh, single moms and they eliminate each other. Okay, that's a reality show. So we have that model. And what we can do with the, the sort of technological tools that became accessible, it's, it's easier for everyone to do it. So we have this, this creative revolution. And I, I sometimes joke about sort of the content singularity mm. because sort of lowering the, the sort of creation tools. Uh, create, first of all, a different type of generation. We see how the sort of gen sets create and how they work, but it also creates a lot of volume, <laughs> of mm. course. Yeah, yeah. The amount of produced uh, video content is, yeah, is absolutely it's exploding. crazy. And if you compare sort of stats between uh, TikTok and, and YouTube and other platforms, sort of when you lower those barriers, sort of uh, the amount of, of users who actually also publish and, and sort of is part of that is, is important. And what I'm, I've been focusing on sort of last year is, is the next step. So, okay, we had that sort of. Okay. Videos are, you know, that's mainstream now. Everyone is yeah, sharing, that's editing, yeah, doing yeah. that. We've seen it now. It's the kids can do it. Those of you who look forward. Yeah. What so, do you see? So what I'm focusing on is, is what we can call sort of the virtual shift in mobile technology. And what is that? Well, at the core, it is that the sort of computer generated 3D technology that game studios and VFX companies and 3D animation studios have been using for 30 years has been sort of a the mainstream in the, in the professional industry, Pixar or uh, Epic Games. They become available to everyone. Wow. So let's, let's hold this very important yeah. insight for a moment. All digital technologies ultimately become democratized in the sense that they become cheaper and also easier to use. Exactly. And what, what you're saying now is it's not just recording videos and sharing them, but ultimately generating entire virtual environments, something that we know it costs millions and millions to make great animated movies. Is that now also being completely democratized? Yes, we're in this shift. And, and there are, there are a few pieces there and you have to look at all the pieces to see, see the sort of big shift. And it's just like sort of the, the photo revolution, the video revolution, when you sort of know the camera and the phone is not enough and sort of better phone is not enough. You have to have all the pieces. And in the video revolution, for example, I mean, when 4G came, a lot of people said, what should we have it for? There were even companies who were called after 3G. They Absolutely. called it Let's have a high 3G access. Yeah. What should we do with it? And it's like, oh, we can do videos. But here we have this virtual shift and you you can see the the pieces and you can have that sort of uh, the long view and what are those yeah, what are the yeah so first of all companies like apple and google and those, they put depth cameras in our phones hmm. um, it's like these multiple cameras with infrared exactly, sensors etc with oh. the infrared sensors and what what is that and what can you use it for that so at the core it's it's a similar technology that we've had in in motion capture studios for for a long time. So where I used to work, we had a motion capture studio, and it cost a lot, and you needed a, a bunch of engineers running it uh, to do it. 
and we had these actors running around in the suits. We all seen them, and suddenly, you know, uh, Apple puts sort of uh, this true depth technology in the camera, sort mm. of mobile camera. This is actually better technology if you look at the hardware and software than they had when they did the Lord of the Rings, and everyone has it in their phone. It's so good, so you can unlock the phone, and that is of course super great if you want to track. For example, faces or objects or stuff like that. So the depth camera is one piece. Mm. The other piece is, of course, AR technology, which is at the core of is, is putting a 3D mesh on on the physical object. Augmented reality, simply yeah. generating something yeah. out of these. Uh, yeah. So when you've tracked the face, you can, of course, put a 3D mask on it. And you can do real-time 3D and you get these amazing filters. Uh, and uh, it's super fun to to be Batman for a second and record funny animations, you know. So that's another piece. Mm. The third piece is, of course, we get uh, much better phones. Mm. So uh, so to do 3D animations, real-time 3D used to sort of demand a lot of power. So, I mean, when Processing we were... power. Yeah, yeah. So when we were kids, you know, you had to have the, the coolest computer to to have, really enjoy those games. But, I mean, if you look at the new phones, they are super, super strong in that sense. Mm. And then, like, like you're discussing, we have the sort of... 5G. I mean, we go from 4G to 5G. What what should you use it for? I mean, the telcos is trying to pitch it, uh, but no one really knows. Mm. Well, I mean, you can use it for smart refrigerators and stuff like that. But at the core, it's great for for real time 3D. It's great if, for these virtual worlds to sort of real time rendering these these uh, 3D things. And ultimately, adding the uh, complete virtual layers on on reality. Exactly. So why are why are technology companies do this? I used to say that. We, we get a Pixar in our pocket if you mm. look, put, put these pieces together. So why do Apple and Google and whatnot want a, a Pixar in our pocket? Well, if you bet that the, the real world will merge with sort of virtual 3D layers, it's important to get those tools out there. Mm. And if, if we in the future should have, for example, AR glasses, uh, where you sort of have a 3D layer on top of the real world layer, yeah, we need to, to get that technology in every person's hands. Mm. Exactly, to start which is the other dimension of innovation. Yes, we have the technological innovation and, and making the better processors and the better cameras. Yeah. Not, then it comes to social innovation. Yeah. Having all these uh, great uh, creative people work with the technology and change human behaviors yeah. and, and innovate and actually find all the potential uses for the technology, which the tech companies, of course, cannot see all the different applications exactly. of what they do. So that's so my passion is is about identity and creative expression. So so my big question is, okay, if, if we get the Pixar in our pockets, what do we... Yeah, what are we going to do? With? What are we going to do with? Tell us, please. So yeah. is this what you guys are cracking uh, yes, at the this, Factory? Yes, this is what we're working on. So basically... Uh, you would like to think that everyone would would create uh, Pixar-like <laughs> content. Yeah, like but they 90 won't. minutes uh, action movie. Exactly, action, exactly. No, 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 I mean, we we can just look at the history. Mm. And I, I used to compare it with uh, when when I um, when, when we were studying at Stockholm School of Economics in the early 2000s, I used to bring a, a camera uh, out to the parties and I used to take uh, pictures of myself. And several times people threatened to beat me up. Uh, because they said that it's so narcissistic. 
Um, so, so there. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> if they only knew, what if was they going only to knew, if they only knew. So, so I totally own that narcissism. Uh, but it turned out that the entire species was narcissistic, and we had the whole sort of safe selfie phenomenon. I kind of saw that. So, coming. so when that revolution came, of course. We had sort of this little team or, or creators who, who became great photographers. And we, we had that new generation of sort of creative art forms that evolved sort of photography evolved. But the core is that people just wanted to take pictures of themselves and what they are doing. They, we, we always look at ourselves. Mm. And this is the key here. When we get sort of this Pixar in our pocket, when we'll do it, yeah, well, some will not create uh, Pixar movies, but perhaps the future form of Pixar movies, just mm. like sort of the TikTok uh, behavior is a sort of future f- form of, of something created sort of 10 years ago. But most of us will turn attention to ourselves. Right. So this is where the Instagram idea of, of influencers and, and story sharing meets the virtualization exactly opportunity yeah and so, what can we then begin to create so so the next step is to look at okay how do we sort of visualize our virtual identities and then we come into the question of avatars because if if you're in a virtual space so yeah you can have a photo or you can have an icon or something like but at the core you want to visualize yourself in that space and everyone has been uh, i mean you and i enjoy playing games so we we've been doing this for a long time and everyone in the game space has done doing that for 30 years but now that will become mainstream. So everyone will have sort of a, a, a avatar, a virtual identity, and it will creep from, from sort of uh, the games, from the Fortnites and the Roblox and the Minecrafts of the world into our feeds and into our chats and everywhere else. And we already see that. I mean, uh, people go to concerts in Fortnite and uh, yeah, you, they spend most of yeah. their hours of yeah. their free time in, in the virtual spaces. For, Fortnite is a great example because it's, uh, and we, we can talk about that, uh, actually sort of the business model. What, what yes, we'll come to that. Drive these, Let's these talk about the tech first. Yeah. yeah. And I think the sort of social avatar space here is super interesting. I mean, if you look at the, the big tech com- companies, everyone have a, a sort of avatar program. Mm. And so you have the Snapchat Bitmojis or mm. the Apple Memojis and, and Facebook avatars. And there are loads of startups in this space. There's sort of genius, Petos, and there are loads of them. Well, anyway, and, and that can seems like, yeah, it's, it's just a sticker on my video or, uh, you know, some simple animation. What's the point of that? Mm. Well, it's super important. Because if you start investing time and energy on your virtual identity, if you decide, no, it's my Bitmojo that's important, that's where I, I spend my energy, just like you spend your energy in, in your Fortnite avatar, then you will invest time and you will invest money into that. And, and this is interesting because, yes, uh, as people spend increasing amount of times on social media channels or in yeah. virtual worlds or gaming worlds, and they have an increasing number of important relationships in that world, Yeah, that's where it's important to improve yourself. Like if you back in the old meat world, you want to have nice clothes because it's important uh, for the human relationships that you have in the meat space. But if the amount of time you spend in the virtual world and the amount of important relationships are much greater in that world, of course, that leads people to invest in improving their image of themselves in that yeah. dimension. But the point here is, and we already know that. I mean, every kid's live. I mean, you, I have loads of kids. <laughs> and, they live in the and, virtual. Huh? They live in the virtual. They don't care about the real world. 
obviously. So every parent knows that. But the, the important thing here is that that will leak into the real world. So the important thing is what, what happens in our feeds, mm. uh, what, mm. what happens in, in my mother's <laughs> sort mm. of Facebook feeds and Instagram feeds or whatever. And we see the sort of early phases of, of sort of the merging between the virtual worlds and, and sort of the social avatars on top of, of, uh, the real world and, mm. and how we express ourselves through photos and videos, et cetera. And I think this will, accelerate and it will accelerate in in our mobile phones before we get our headsets <laughs> mm, mm, mm. so so the way we express ourselves through avatars and social avatars sort of taking the step out of sort of the sort of locked up game worlds into sort of merging with the real world mm. and sort of expressing our real identity with our real brand will be critical and that is a key shift and is this an unavoidable development that you see it's it's Uh, the 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 people spending more and more time in in virtual worlds and in digital channels. I mean, we've had that idea years back, right? There was Second Life, and yeah, there has been a lot of hype about virtual reality, gaming, and augmented reality. So far, are you know the best applications are perhaps yet to materialize. There has been a overselling sometimes of these technologies as well what's your take on that yeah there's there's always <laughs> like that but mm. it's an evolution mm. no yeah I, i i think we're just in the beginning of course mm. but i i think at the core it's a positive evolution because mm. it's about expression mm. and 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 just like i mean If we say Instagram, yeah, it's like 10 years old. Before that, you had phones and you had cameras in the phones and you had stuff for another 10 years. It, it of course takes time and it's an evolution. Mm. And what we see is like, no, I'm, I'm not one saying like, yeah, in five years, we will live in virtual worlds. I will, I will have someone feeding me automatically. My robot will feed me as I sort of, uh, <laughs> live in a matrix like cyberspace. I'm not saying that. No. Uh, although a few years ago I was quite intrigued by that thought. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the, there are certainly people who do spend yeah. uh, the majority of their time yeah. in virtual worlds, and which brings the, the classic comment, so real world, oh yeah, that's where the pizza guy comes from, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but I, I think you should more look at it as a sort of a, a long-term big shift where, mm. where sort of pieces come together, and we already see that happening. Mm. So we already see that mainstream people put their effort into the virtual identities and great brands care more about sort of virtual goods and take the early steps into that and and for every generation of course that that grows <laughs> because uh, for every generation has spent more and more time in virtual worlds and has spent more and more time of course as a as a mobile native or, or an online native so so i think it's just like sort of Uh, the 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 opportunity I had to tell my story via pictures on Snapchat or Instagram didn't change the fact that I lived in the real world. <laughs> For most of us, I mean, ninety <laughs> percent of the time we didn't post pictures, but it it had a fundamental shift of our behaviors mm. and how we as a species sort of evolve actually. Mm -hmm. So, and I think we should look at this as another layer, mm -hmm. sort of okay. These tools are great because they allow me to express things. That, that's why do you have sort of add a Bitmoji sticker to your video? Because it expresses something that you cannot express mm -hmm. as sort of in, in the photo or in the video. So, and, and it's the reason why we have our avatars and we buy emotes to them and skins mm -hmm. and stuff because we can express things there that we can't express 
in the other media. Mm. So, so, so we already know that, that that's part of the sort of human evolution when mm. it comes to expression and identity. Humans being a social species and vanity is, is inherently human. Yeah. Yes. Uh, when we give people better tools to, to achieve those things. Yeah. People will use them. That's, yeah. that's a no-brainer. Now, uh, Eric, then tell me about how are we exploring this in practice? What are the business applications that you see in this? Yeah. yeah so, so first you have the whole sort of avatar phenomenon. And I think uh, everyone should have a sort of an eye towards that. What happens with these social avatars? And what is the sort of competition about? Well, it's about expression. How can you express yourself? And related to that, we have what we could call the sort of global virtual goods market. Because mm. of course, you know, we, we put our identity into to our virtual beings. Of course, there is market there when it comes to virtual goods. This is interesting also because then we come into the sort of the business models of interactive entertainment in general. And I mean, if you've been sort of playing games for a long time, you know that sort of games, they started up, every, everything was premium. You bought a game for 50 euros and then you played it and that was fun. And then came the whole sort of free-to-play wave, sort of, okay, it's it's free to play the game, but a lot of it was very progression-based. So yeah, I want to get to the next level. Well, then I need this really great thing. New wheels for my yeah, car. Yeah, I need this and that. Happen. And yeah, I... Well, I'm paying for that because I want the dopamine kick when I, when I win. But that model is, is very much about sort of progression, about sort of uh, winning. It's, it's a bit like the casino model and we see the mergers of those. <laughs> it's like uh, the kick with the wheel and uh, we have loot boxes and stuff like that. But then sort of you have the evolution to what we can call sort of the identity based virtual model. And like I said before, Fortnite is a prime example of that yeah. sort of like most of the stuff that's sold is, is what in the gaming industry they call vanity items, which is a sort of, I think it's a, got some negative connotation. It's a weird because we don't, we don't call our Nike shoes vanity items. Maybe <laughs> we should. So it's, it's, uh, but we buy it not to get the dopamine kick of progression. We buy it because we want to express our identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the core shift. And what's important there is, if we move sort of outside the sort of uh, frames of a, a game or a sort of specific v virtual world and into the real world. So we have avatars that are blended in the real world and sort of represent ourselves in, in chats and feeds and stuff like that. Well, of course, we care about how they look and it's about it's about identity it's about expression and that identity and expression is very close to our real selves mm. so it's not like we live in a fantasy world and yeah i want elf ears it's more like yeah i want the nike shoes okay it, so what we see is traditional brands taking over this space in terms of sure it's not just that i get my cold shiny jacket uh, that is made by the company but i also want to have a, a brand experience yeah we don't yeah. need to name drop all the brands here but they are fundamentally very active already in this space. Yeah, it's super active. And I mean, if you look at uh, Fortnite, for example, I mean, it's mainly a marketing platform. Almost yeah, as, for classic uh, brands. Yeah, for classic brands, whether you want to sell mobile phones or cool gears or uh, the new movie you're releasing or even hamburgers, you know, you have to be on Fortnite and you have to market yourself there because that's uh, that's where the uh, where the you know the young generation is. Yeah, and the brand, so, brand engagement, the brand engagement, there. Mm. and and it's interesting because we see that going mainstream and we see that going high end. I mean, we see sort of luxury brands like Louis Vuitton and Gucci, and so on. they are investing in this space, uh, whether it's sort of avatar apps or uh, League of Legends mm. uh, skins or whatever it is. So yes, that is a big push. And, and I think we also will see the connection with this sort of virtual goods market with the real 
sort of assets. And I mean, we see apps like uh, an example is uh, Taobao Life, Alibaba, they have sort of an avatar app where you can sort of have your avatar, you can dress it, but a lot of the gear when it comes to interior design and the clothes, you also have the physical clothes. So you have that connection. It's right. been, you buy it's it been, two for one, you buy two exactly, shirts, one yeah. for the virtual yeah, and one yeah, to yeah. wear to school. Huh? Yeah, and during the pandemic it's exploded. So, uh, so it's, a, it's a big thing in China. And a lot of these apps you would see look more and more like department stores <laughs> where you have the sort of, well, there's a Disney corner and there's a Nike corner and there's a this and that. And, and that is a sort of a, a core evolution. It's, it's been going on forever. I mean, you have sort of uh, games reflecting the worlds like Sims. They do the brand the corporations with an H&M or Machino or whatever. So that's, so that's one of on. the business dimensions, obviously. The, the brands want to be there, get exposure. They also get significant sales in these spaces. So yeah, yeah. that's one component. We're going beyond simply being there for advertising or, or for being seen, but also to actually provide goods and services. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's actually quite an accelerating shift because, I mean, we look at, at, at distribution, at retail, and sort of what a huge impact we had when retail went online. And, you know, we've seen that for for 20 years and it's been a long torturous process for a yes, lot of uh, retailers uh, by the <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. end of the, of the millennium yeah. and this, a lot of companies failed but the trend has never bucked so no, the, the exactly. movement towards e-commerce has yeah. just been ongoing and lately the pandemic has shut down a lot of the yeah. uh, classic uh, high street stores yeah, yeah and what we're seeing now is potentially even bigger because now it's not just a distribution now it's not just the retail it's actual products <laughs> so so the virtualization of the actual progress will also be a long 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 process i'm not saying tomorrow we will not buy the physical sneakers we'll only have the virtual no of course we won't but this will be a long process it will have a major impact sort of the the more time we spend sort of our and the more energy we spend to our sort of visualization of our virtual identities the more this shift will be en- emphasized so so i think it's sort of comparing it to the retail shift is is a relevant comparison mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to sort of uh, the size and power and it's just like you say it's it's about money it's about sort of how do these stores look and how are the rev share deals behind it and sort of making money but it's also about connecting the real world with the virtual worlds this is important because yes we see that these developments are happening but we're pretty far from there, you know, fully. Eric, what do you see are sort of the hurdles still holding these things back? I think just the last few months have actually been sort of mind-blowing in seeing that a lot of things that one could ponder would take time has actually been accelerating. And one of those things is sort of the way creative talent move from sort of the physical space and the virtual space. And I mean, when we saw that, you know, sort of you had the first concerts in Fortnite and like, that was a big thing. Oh, Marshmallow is having a Fortnite concert. But now sort of, of course, if you're a, cre- a, a talent, you know, the only way to to reach out is is through digital arenas. Then then you start looking at, okay, I can do a sort of live video uh, or I can sort of, I can stand in a mocap suit and try to do sort of a live uh, 3D thing. And, and, and you see sort of what, what the users sort of like, and and you you would start experimenting in this space, and I think that will will just grow. So you have this whole sort of movement of creative talent, real world talent, as well as as virtual talent, of course, sort of creative talent. Would they move to where this. the audiences are? 
Yeah. Right. So that's what happened yeah. to social media since a lot of people are spending their time and their interest and their yeah. sort of focus there. Yeah. Yes, talent goes there. And yeah. If you're a, a, a big talent, an artist or, or influencer or something like that, yeah, you should look at, okay, what are my avatars? <laughs> how does my Bitmoji look? And how, how do I communicate with it? Or whatever it is. And they are doing that. And, um, and that is uh, super interesting. And there are several components to that. The first component is that everything becomes 3D. I mean, whether it's, if you already have a character, if you have some Smurfs or Lego or Barbie or whatever, you have to do sort of a 3D, computer-generated 3D version of it. Because that's what animated movies are, that's what games are, and that's what sort of XR experiences are. So you already need to do that. And now what happens is like you get tools, also as a professional creator, that makes it possible to super super cheap and super quick produce content. Mm. So what happens is that instead of sort of producing an animated movie f- that takes a year and costs gazillions, you can sort of produce every day or three times a week. And then suddenly you can have your Barbie vlogging and Barbie's huge vlogger, for example. I think she's got nine, nine and a half million <laughs> followers or something like that. Of course. And, and she publishes like three times a week or I don't know. Mm. So something like that. So, so you can do that because... That- Anybody can have the Barbie yeah. avatar and then I personalize it along my wishes and then I communicate yeah, so, through so, this character and in, in a big environment. Yeah, so so I would say that it's those are two different sorts. So the first one is, is that Mattel can can do their uh, sort of Barbie vlog. Content so, owner can do it content by themselves. Owner, so those, so, that's not what brings creativity. No. Uh, so I think the second layer is even more thrilling in the sense that we get the opportunity for, for real talent and sort of virtual talent to sort of put that in the hands of, of the community. And we got sort of this crowd creation. And I mean, this, this is also a trend who's been going on for a long time. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Hatsune Miku and mm. sort of the Miku Miku dance story. Right. And but we've seen, yeah, brands uh, or yeah. sort of content uh, companies or owners syndicating their content. Or we make uh, games or we make uh, books and whatnot yeah. based on known characters. And, but ultimately, fan fiction has sort of still had this a little bit silly take on it. Okay, so here are amateurs just fooling around with with, with, uh, what is quality content, but is that evolving? Yes, I think it's evolving. And I think it's a long process, but if you look at the timeline and see it's involving, it's quite exciting. I can take the Hatsune Miku example. I think it's because not, maybe not everyone uh, Tell the knows listeners it. about yeah, the, the Hatsune story, Miku, Hatsune the Miku. Japanese yeah. uh, virtual artist. <laughs> yeah, the Japanese. So this is old, of course. Uh, it was like 10, 15 years ago, uh, the, the Miku Miku dance was big. But the key here is sort of what happens when you give tools to users and you let the reins go. So basically Yamaha had this uh, this software, Vocaloid, where you can have a synthetic voice and the did some singing and uh, no one wanted to buy it. I think it was for music producers. They should produce demo. So anyway, so they teamed up with this uh, company, Crypto Future, and they, they came up with this idea that, okay, we can sort of bundle this with a simple 3D engine. So you can do super simple 3D animated music videos to this, the songs that you do. And that simple software was called Mika Mika Dance. And it was free, it was open source, everything was great. And what happened was that it was not the sort of music producers who used it. It was, it was the kids and it, it, it was the fans and they created this huge creative community. And it's really funny because Hatsune Miku was a sort of character. When you opened the software, it was first character. So, so of course you became the biggest 
star and the art leader at our company she was one of those fans you know mm, sitting mm, as a teenager in her basement in in Malmö and she told me that uh, she turned all the computers in the house to Japanese because you had to have sort of the settings to Japanese to run the the software and her parents Amazing. became mad about it but what you saw though was that Hatsune Miku became a star not by sort of creative production company or something like that creating her but she still had a personality and that could evolve and she came a big character despite sort of letting the reins go to mm. sort of the crowd. So thousands of fans wrote songs for this avatar who then sang this and performed Yeah, them. yeah. And, and she's still going fans, around. Of having, course, she's yeah. touring the world. I, I'm well aware. And not the, the cool thing with the virtual artist is that they can perform in a hundred different places at the same time, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's cool. And, and I mean, uh, what's interesting is that that sort of generation, it actually spawned a lot of things that we, we see today. I mean, uh, there are a lot of virtual vloggers uh, in Japan. You have Kisunai and others who, who sort of people started using that software to do other things with it. You have a lot of the big video sites today. Bilibili, the Chinese uh, video site, actually was launched as a Hatsune Miku fan site. So it was just Miku Miku Dance videos and now it's a huge company. Uh, and you have these sort of new wave of virtual art artists and virtual bands, uh, right? Game they do um, this uh, League of Legends bands like every year. So you have KDA and all the calls. And I think that is that is sort of a natural evolution of this sort of creative process. Because content is digital and it can be remixed so simply now with the tools we have at the yeah. yeah. And, so, and so, so where is this going? What we see here is that first we have this virtualization. That is one piece. But we also at the same time have this sort of creative engagement loop like i i exemplified uh, tiktok sort of and and that is still in a shitty medium called video where you basically just have two assets you have an image and you have sound that's what you have but in a 3d space you have much more assets you have animations you have the environments you have the the facial animations you have voices you have a lot of more things sort of so the the remixing capabilities if we say so are infinitely bigger so it's it's much easier to sort of if we go back to to the sort of barriers I'm talking technological and the creative barrier sort of how do you sort of express yourself and, and create in a 3D space it's it's much easier to sort of get that loop going so yes i i think that we we see a lot more of first of all of course everyone will have a virtual identity and we will put more and more time and energy into that presenting by avatars. So having a f- sort of a Facebook uh, and a Instagram yeah, account is not enough to have no, as a no. virtual identity. No. Need, we need to create. Yeah. I mean, Facebook have their Facebook avatars. Not looking too great, if I can say it. But it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Well, anyway, so yeah, we put a lot of more, more time and energy into that. And of course, it would be 3D. But you will also have this sort of expression, creative content mm-hmm. production. So we have this generation who sort of will express themselves more and more. And we have that evolution. I mean, look at from a, from a Habu Hotel, you talked about Second Life and Habu Hotel, where we can do that into the sort of sandbox games of Minecraft, then evolving to a sort of a Memoji, how funny it was when you could be a mouse or even better, a Memoji version of yourself mm-hmm. and do funny recordings. And I, I remember sort of when, when Apple launched that, because I was working with, with AR at the time, and they were like, so yeah, you're going to record simple messages and send to your friends with that. No, of course not. You you want to sort of lay a funny background and start creating content with it. I mean, it's a, it's a little 
is a little Pixar. But those creative tools are super early. I mean, <laughs> you can't do that much. And that's a lot about our focus. It's a lot of software. What is the ultimate editor? So mm. how will it look? So how do we do a, a Unity in the mobile phone that is as simple as the sort of uh, TikTok editors? And, and I think that we will see a lot of that progression, sort of more and more those tools that re relate to sort of um, virtual 3D. Mm. spaces and creation there and the remix baby so this is uh, young people today who are the at the forefront of exploring these new platforms um, it used to be the saying that oh we the kids need to learn software development and programming computers in school but ultimately it's more important that they learn video editing and, and third world editing in order to tell their stories so this is more important than perhaps coding itself if you can understand and apply these tools to share your stories. Will we have the, the new Shakespeare, which is, expresses him or herself in the uh, video-generated format? Of course. I mean, very few express themselves through code. I mean, some do within, some do within, within, within a community. But uh, I mean, I, I have no illusion that we will have sort of generations of uh, coders who just read each other's codes and look, oh, what a beauty. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, and we, we can see that with all these technologies. I mean, it's how you apply it. Mm. And uh, I think just like Instagram sort of uh, made a generation of photographers who sort of reinvented photography in, in this. I think we will have a sort of generation creative within the 3D space and, and, and sort of the, the game developers and the 3D animators of the world will be mixed up with sort of how the general population express themselves with, with 3D content and, and avatars and stuff like that. So are we going towards the world, Eric, where everyone is a creator? So uh, someone said, the world has a lot of exhibitionists, but not enough voyeurs <laughs> who will be watching ultimately. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, uh, when I started working with digital media, you, all, you always had that 1%, the 10% and the 90%. You was like, yeah, 1% one, one is, is the creators, 10% are the engaged and 90% are the lurkers who just sort of uh, just view. Is, this, yeah. is that paradigm changing? Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's a too simplistic image. And, uh, but it's also too simplistic to, to say that everyone's created. I mean, I think it's, it's almost, I mean, we always, everyone has an urge to express themselves. And so the tools that we get to express themselves change. And in, in a, in a way, yes, you can say that the younger, uh, generations are more creative in the sense, the way they use social platforms, for example, and they use it as creative tool more. I mean, uh, where, where our generation perhaps we've taken, art class or try to write a novel uh, they would say <laughs> feels like a dated hopefully they don't have that urge so so yes of course that is changing and it comes down to sort of what is uh, creativity and what is an original piece of art mm. the sort of originality versus the sort of remix versus the sort of lurking mm. and i see i see that in the evolution of of social media as well as sort of content media. I mean, when I look at sort of Facebook and Twitter, I, I, there in, initially it was always about like sort of whipping the content around. It's like <laughs> someone yeah. throws some dung out and now let's whip it around. And and the whole sort of lowering the barrier for, for sharing something that someone else have done versus sort of, okay, we, we can sort of simplify creation and we can put pieces here sort of models or formats as well as or simple technology to allow you to create something original and i think that we see an evolution there with sort of photo and video services and and uh, 
because I mean, a TikTok, it's not about sort of re-TikToking. Uh, it's about sort of taking a piece of content and, and making something out of it. And we have further sort of evolution here. Eric, that is uh, some very fascinating observations. The virtualization of media is ultimately a very human-friendly development because it allows us all to express ourselves easier and more free than has ever been the case. Yeah, of course. And I mean, that's what's drawn us to these virtual worlds from, from the beginning, is that we can sort of be closer to who we are. And that's, it sounds like a cliche, but I think there is some truth to it. And uh, it's always been like, why do we like filters and layers or sort of refining this sort of picture we have? And hopefully sort of the virtualization of us take us closer to what we are at heart and sort of allows us to express ourselves better. But of course, you have um, way different scenarios here. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it would be a long road for sure. Uh, but, uh, but yes, I think it's a positive evolution. It's fundamentally a human-friendly evolution. Eric, it's been wonderful to have you here with us in Disruption Land. Thank you very much. For having me. Thanks for joining us here in Disruption Land. To visit us again, just subscribe to Disruption Land Podcast. This podcast is produced by Epicenter, the house of digital innovation. Discover all about our vibrant tech and business community and inspiring workspaces at weareepicenter.com.